Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. Hi, y'all. Say hello, everybody. Hey, 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 hey. No, hello, everybody. <laughs> oh, Clark, you... is this your house or is this the airport? <laughs> Clark, say hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> it's coming up. Christmas is coming. <laughs> and that's like one of my favorite what, movies. We have a tradition. What, what movie is that? It's Christmas Vacation. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, our tradition at my household, of course, you know, you have Christmas Eve as preacher, and you go till late at night. So we don't have traditional Christmas Eve like most people do, because I'm working. Yeah. Right. Right. So On the, the last hour, however many years, I mean, I get done, I get home like twelve thirty in the morning. Yeah. After the church service, you're catering an events for Jesus and party. It's me and it's my daughters who now are you know twenty three and twenty, and so the last six, seven, eight years, you know, we stay up and we watch. Either Elf or Christmas Vacation, Christmas Story. Elf. That's such a great Something. Movie. One of those movies. And then we go to like three in the morning and then we sleep late on Christmas. That's what yep. we do. That's what the preacher's family does. Right. Yep. So holy. But we were holy the whole day. I was yeah, like, the break. whole day I was doing holy with the services and communion and the candlelight and silent night. And we get home, we just have to unwind. Yep. Clock, is this your house? <laughs> Oh, is this the airport? Hey, Clark, <laughs> you surprised to see me? If I woke up, if I fell on the floor and woke up with my face stapled to the carpet, I couldn't be more surprised. <laughs> so see, that's, that's what I've looked forward to. And uh, how long has this pandemic been going? Six months? We got another uh, October, November. Yeah, three months from now, we'll be at Christmas. <laughs> Who knows, what, what does Christmas look like this year? I hope it doesn't look like Easter. You know when we thought Easter was like what? Well, now, the well, well, the difference sticks. is East. There was no Easter. Well, I mean, there was Easter. Jesus still rose from the dead. There was no. There were no church services in Easter. No, there was nothing. In no. Easter is all online. I I think at least we'll have yeah. People gathered. I've actually been trying to stay stay out of the media. more. No, I've I've been actually trying to stay more away from Facebook. Because yeah. it's just, I hate to say it, it's just a cesspool. Yeah. I mean, Twitter, if you follow the right people, you can get some some decent stuff. But I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. If it's not just a friend posting a picture of their kids, I'm good with that. I want to know where you went on vacation. I want to see your, your kids' first day of school. You know, I don't want to hear what you have to think about politics. I don't right. want to hear what you have to think about the current state of because I, I get it, right? If this can just be me and my friends, like, sharing our lives together, like, I almost died marching up a mountain in Colorado, and here's a picture of me and how horrible I'm in, I'm shape I'm in, and everybody goes, hey, laugh emoji, cry yeah. emoji. Yeah, yeah, you know, it sucks I'm, to be I'm, you. I'm, I'm good, but Let's all go. this other stuff, no, yeah. thank you. I don't no. want it. I don't want to know what you think about the news story. I don't want to know how much you think Biden's going to ruin the world or Trump's going to ruin the I don't want I don't. I don't care. I don't want to see it. I'm going to block you. I'm sorry. I just, that's the way I feel right now about it. It's just so divisive yeah. or divisive. Yep. I use, I use, I use Facebook only to retweet Chapelwood and to post encouraging things. I made, I made the only mistake I made on Saturday 
because I was watching my alma mater, Georgia Southern, play Campbell, the Fighting Camels, Division Three FCS team. They've never beaten an FBS team. And my Georgia Southern Eagles, which have 30 players sitting out, uh, was losing most of the game. We ended up winning by one point. And I just put something like, really? The Fighting Camels? <laughs> I saw that. I, I mean, was deeply offended, John. Come on, and then dude. what happened? They Everyone won. got triggered? On your no, Facebook? no, 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 no. Oh, it's just, that's just the only but, time. But, it, but some old friends from Georgia Southern from college, you know, were weighing in. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's reconnection. That's fine. I can't, but this, the, the ranting and the raving and the, 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 the resharing or reposting or sharing of these toxic fake news stories and biased stories. And I, I don't want to see that. Don't want to see it. Yeah. You're I've only not, made that mistake see. once. In the last couple of years where I posted something and it, I just got my, I got my backside handed to me and I'm like, so, never again, so here's, never again. So here's something I've learned on Facebook, <clears throat> which is for the edification of whoever is interested in this. So the way I look at Facebook and I've, and I put this on recently on my Facebook because I had experienced this whole perspective of people put things in the comments. The comments section of Facebook is where the devil lives. I'm totally convinced. Satan lives in the comment section. People put things on uh, that they would never say to you to your face. Never. Never. And some of them are not even your friends. So if you put it on publicly. So my whole thing is, look, when I post something on Facebook, that's my front porch. That's my porch. Right? You come up on my porch and you start saying this crap on my porch, I'm asking you to leave, which means I'm going to delete your comment. You can delete comments on Facebook. Just delete them. Somebody says something you don't like, delete it. This ain't free speech. Right. All right? This is not New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, CNN, Fox News, and Mississippi. It's not that. This is John. This is my Facebook page. Get off my lawn. Hey, get off my lawn. This is Gran Torino right here. Hey, get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Do you feel feel like it's different because you're a pastor, though? No. I think everybody should subscribe to that. Yep. Because if there's someone, if you post something, even if, it's, even if you want to be so vitriolic and partisan, that's fine. You could do you. On Facebook, do whatever you want. But here's what you need to know about Facebook. When you start posting that stuff, right, there's all these algorithms developed by the Russians, right? And you're going to start seeing on Facebook everything you agree yeah, with, exactly. that you already agree with. Right. And then you're going to start thinking, I must be right. My way is the right way. Because look, everybody agrees with me. Have, have Guess what? That? Nobody agrees with you. Right? Well, those, eight, some, those eight people do. Some and Russian troll from Ukraine is posting this stuff out there, making you feel like this all, it's just fake like stuff. Everybody it's in fake. The world it's made up. This. Have you seen the uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, if, if Facebook was a bar? And it just breaks out into this. It's like, you know, somebody bumps into somebody. Somebody asks somebody a question. And it just breaks out into this massive kind of fight. So I'm just saying, this is your front porch, yeah. right? This is your living room. This is your front porch. I say front porch because living room, you invite them in your house. You don't want to do that. But on the front porch, we're having a conversation, right? So if Facebook's and, your front porch, what's Twitter? people are... The gutter in the front back, of your house? That's the dumpster fire. That's the dumpster fire in the back. In the back alley. <laughs> But, but people are walking along in your front, you know, your little white picket fence, and you're sitting on the porch, and you say, hey, what do you all think about whatever? And they go, hey, well, they, whatever. And they all oh, come on, you want to sit on the porch. But as soon as they say something that crosses the line, if they say something mean or disparaging or whatever or you don't like, you delete it. 
Mm-hmm. And people are, I had someone say to me, I can't believe, well, who, who then do you decide to listen to? I said, well, whoever I decide to, it's my, it's my, this my is porch. my space. Right. Well, you just, you go get to pick. I said, yeah, I do. Of course I do. I can say who can say this on my comment section and who not. This is yep. my yard. And if you say something that I think is inappropriate or I don't like or makes me feel uncomfortable or makes me feel like I can't sleep at night or makes me feel like you'll hurt one of my friend's feelings, then delete it. After a while, you'll figure out not to post anything on my page anymore. Well, because when Facebook started out, it was puppies and kittens and kids and it was that. Now it's turned in. It, it really is a dangerous space that people manipulate. And it is, it's, there's a lot of propaganda yep. on both sides mm-hmm. in fairness. Absolutely. Both sides of the spectrum, but it is propaganda, and you have to understand historically how propaganda works and the power that it has to manipulate and fuel and reinforce sort of your deepest suspicions about things. I uh, was read an Axios um, um, deal today that said that Gen Z may be less susceptible to that than other generations because they understand the ways that that media is highly manipulated and manipulatable. So like the, all the stuff that happened up with the presidential kind of um, uh, gathering in, um, in Oklahoma with K-pop and all, all those kind of things that they realize right. that we can manipulate this and get a lot of people to believe. And so s- there's some sociologists think that they may be less prone to. Facebook is going <clears throat> to go, it's going to die. Book. Yep. It's going to go away. Yeah, well, I'm just telling you, the next generation, because right now the people who are stewarding the vision of Facebook are just allowing anything. Mm. They're very, very little policing. They're allowing lies and conspiracy theories and all these things to be perpetuated, again, on both sides of the political spectrum. And I'm just telling you, like you said, there's going to be, our, our, that next generation coming up is like, my kids don't do Facebook. I don't know anybody under 35 that does Facebook. Yeah, can we not just have some empathy that there are brothers and sisters in this world that feel vulnerable, they feel uh, taken advantage of. They take. They feel attacked. They feel they're scared. If I'm a Christian, can I have some human empathy for that? Mm-hmm. There's a the president of uh, USC um, d- a couple years ago did a um, exercise in his own life where he cut off all social media. The president of a major university, all social media and all newspapers. And just said, what would happen if I do this for six, I think he did it for six months or a year. And he found that when people would come to him and say, hey, did you hear about? He would say, no, tell me. (laughs) And so he realized that he felt as informed because people, and he was having much more conversations around Mm. things, right? So that this idea of having to have all firsthand information and then be able to then, you know, kind of um, categorize it and then articulate it in a first person. He said it was there was a sense of which he felt on an island for a long time in, in doing it that way and shutting all that stuff off. He said, I felt much more connected to people around me. And I realized too, that um, I was, I felt as informed, if not more in having these conversations because then I could ask questions. I could be genuinely curious and it, it led to more curiosity than to me having to feel like I had to have all the information and all the answers. And I thought, you know, I've got some friends who on the first of the year kind of go off of all social media for a year or for a, for a month or fast during Lent over that. And I think, I think it's healthy. You know, it, it makes me think, though, too, 
during a global pandemic where you're less connected into yeah. real people and yeah. real situations and you're in a presidential election year. So it's very hyper toxic political, right? right? And so social media now is being abused even more. Yeah. If you're not careful, I, I just, I would just caution people to just post cats and I like to see videos, that. I like to see the algorithm of cats goats, go up. Screaming, screaming goats. Screaming goats, fainting goats. And something children, with children going nuts. You know, your walk. Hey, I, I look, I, I don't I am not offended. Take more pictures of your food. Right? More Everybody used to say, food, just let yes. me let me see the food you're eating. All right. I used to like really poo-poo that. I want to see your food. That's what I'd rather see your food than <laughs> hear what you connection. think about the presidential election. Yeah. So so that's what I want to see. Your kids, your food, and your goats, your fainting goats. <laughs> I will say the, and I know that mm-hmm. the next two weeks we're talking about it here at Chapwood. We've, we've been talking about finding life in the desert. Yeah. And we talked about loneliness and boredom, and not boredom in the sense that, hey, I don't have anything to do, but like this listlessness in your spirit. It just like the day is 50 hours long. I just can't find energy and passion in living. It was what the uh, the ancient Christians, early, early Christian desert fathers and mothers called the ascidia. But the next two weeks, we're talking about doubt and despair. And Viktor Frankl, who lived through the concentration camps in World War II, defined despair as meaningless suffering. Suffering without meaning. And so everyone has suffered, who's probably listened to this, but sometimes when we go through suffering, we're like, okay, I know it's getting me to, like, like when you're suffering through chemotherapy to defeat your cancer, you're doing it for a purpose to, to be healed, to get through the other side, right? Or even spiritually, we can say, God is taking me through this desert to teach me a lesson or to get me this. So that, that's one of the reasons why we, um, people of faith, try to explain things away that way. God's testing me. God's trying me. Because we have to have meaning underneath the suffering but despair comes and I think I have found this to be close to my own experience and other people's experiences that this pandemic is so stretched out and seems so endless and seems like now they come out with the news that says oh well everyone won't be vaccinated until the end of 2024 I don't I mean I don't know what that means but that's just I'm watching that and I'm going you've got to be kidding me and so you think of all the things that I'm doing without that I'm withhold, withheld from me, that I'm suffering from. Like, what is the meaning? What is the purpose? And so we have to really find meaning in this, or else we find ourselves in a spirit of despair or place Absolutely. of despair. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I wonder if, um, as I hear you talk about this too, John, and, and unpack this, um, like, I think despair is, a, is normal human experience. And so when you encounter it, often we think, oh, I can't feel this because, right? And I think part of it is to realize is that any pathway through suffering is going to connect us with a sense of hopelessness, right? Um, and so that's a, normal, that's a normal thing. And so how do we normalize that? But also, because a lot of times I think what we can do is end up shellacking a lot of Jesus over on the top of it, or we can shellack a lot of psychology on the top of it. Um, as a way of trying to bypass something that maybe is unbypassable, 
and 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 so I, I think that there's a normal part of despair, and that um, I wonder, as as you and I've talked the last couple of months, the necessity of community and voices that will speak into us, that will come around us, that will be a reservoir for us in the midst of that. Because often when I've gone through my own hopelessness, I can't also provide myself hope. That hope has to be a transcendent, has to come from the outside, has to have skin on it, has to show up my front doorstep with a casserole. It has to, it has to take a hold of me in a way that, that, um, that I'm unable to in myself. Now, there's times I've gone through things, too, and I think it's human, too, to go to be able to, in some ways, kind of talk oneself out of something and get oneself to a better place. That's really, that's really true as well. I think there's other places where we can't rescue ourselves. We see Psalms kind of saying, rescue me, oh, my God, I'm in shale. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in the depths of hell. And that's where I think we have to be a community um, called remember. Remember. Um, who you are, and if, when you forget, I'll be a part of your memory. You know, um, and I think that's important too. Well, you know, in an Exodus sixteen, I think it's Exodus sixteen, when the Israelites have come out of slavery in Egypt mm. and they're wandering for forty years, they don't know this yet. It's only two months into the wilderness. So I, I love this. It's like only two months, and we're six months into the pandemic. The Hebrews are only two months into the wilderness, and they're like, you know, oh, we're out here starving. It's so hot. Oh my gosh. You know, I remember all the good old days back in slavery, you know, when we had, around, right? oh, we had all the right? flesh pots of meat and all oh, the lamb chops and everything. Oh, it was so good back in slavery. Why, why did you bring us out here to die? We could be back there. And it was like, that's exactly what they say. Yeah. And, you know, God provides quail and manna and all these things in the wilderness for them. But there's a level of... of us longing to go back to pre-COVID, to the days of normal, what we call normal. I've always said, if you want to go back to normal, you're regressing. Because when you want to go back to normal, when you want to go back to pre-COVID, you're wanting to go back yeah. to a lot of the slavery that we lived in. Mm. And so this, this is a period of time that we have to have a level of acceptance that we are journeying through a desert. And to find meaning and say, God is... Yes taking us through this desert that is not going to be short. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. But where do we find the meaning? We have to learn to find the meaning. We have to find the spaces of meaning in this. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't, then it's just useless suffering. And that's where despair comes from. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, Frankel's book, Man's Search for Meaning, was one of those that I picked up, uh, you know, it feels like 100 years ago, that had one of those instantaneous, like, oh, normalize kind of the sense that it, this these things are going to happen how will you hold this how will you frame it how will you um how will you what relationship will you have with this kind of pain right um and uh um and i find that to be um super helpful as well i think until we are able to find meaning like until we're able to say okay i, I think it's just taken me a long time to just admit the fact that that I'm in a desert, and it's going to last a long time. I keep thinking it's almost over. We're going to be out of this. We're going to start back. Like even now, we're going to start back church next week. Okay, we're going to be back. No, you're not. We're not going to be back to normal. We have like, you know, we normally on a Sunday have 1,200, 1,300 people that are in our three services in the sanctuary, and we've got registered 110 people. <laughs> That's not normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not going to be so... 
if you if if you think okay well, it's good we're back at church now i mean every church i'm i've a pastor i talk to i mean they're talking about 20 percent, 10 to 20 to 30 percent return rates on people because people are not feeling safe to come back we're gonna have to just know we're in the desert we're walking through the desert we've got to find meaning in this place in yes. this space or if we don't we will find ourselves just wallowing in despair and that is not a good place to be yeah that's right there's a um there's a Jewish uh, psychologist and researcher of the Holocaust, a guy named Langer, that talks about the difference between common memory when you go through suffering and deep memory. And that common memory can be, um, in a sense, it, you, you, can, you can put your hands on it, so to speak. You can say, okay, how do I deal with this? What do I need to do in this? And then you reach out for, you know, if you find yourself kind of reaching out for maladaptive behaviors, then you can say, this isn't helping. Who do I call? Who do I talk to? How do I remember? There's other deep memory that can kind of tap into some trauma that feels like it's a hole that we fall into that's much deeper. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think it's really good to acknowledge both of those kinds of despair and doubt that come out of that, that there's some common memory that we have that says, okay, this is going to end. There's some things that we can be doing that would be real helpful. Um, let's do those. And for some of us, um, that kind of common memory taps into um, trauma that's pretty deep for us, um, for some people, and it can suck them down. And so um, that's why I think having uh, a community called Remember, a community of saints that that say, we've got you, we're here, we're going to walk through this together, we're in the desert together, and God shows up and still gives us food. This is, this is what happens. And we're going to travel. You're not going to be alone. The worst thing you can do in the desert is become isolated. You know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think then then get on Facebook. I think those are the two things that I'm warning today. Isolation of Facebook. They will kill you. They will kill you. <laughs> so we have talked about all sorts of things today, which, you know. All sorts of things I, and nothing. And nothing. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes I think that's okay. I, I think, think sometimes in this... This season, maybe that's what we need. Now, yeah. next week, um, I'm going to be gone. But you're going to be here with Marlon. I am. Marlon Azama will be our guest next week, and we'll talk. Um, hopefully, we'll have on one of his friends and one of my friends, a guy named Chris. Young Chris. is. Uh, That'd be good. And so we'll see. And you're going to talk is. about uh, this new worship service mm. that we are developing, yes. storyboarding, and excited about. And if people have totally been excited. watching our services and have seen the iconoclast artists doing poetry on Sunday mornings, yeah, um, Marlon's one of them that's done that. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see how that's going to unfold. I am too. I'm too. It's really it's been great being here and thinking through like worship and community and all that stuff that 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 takes place here. And so I'm excited about being a part of that. Well, I enjoyed it being with you. You too. You too, uh, John. I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy.